We are recording. All right. If, if Zoom did not tell you in a nice, sweet, automated voice that this uh, call is being recorded, it, I'm telling you now. Mine never tells me that anymore. They want to keep it a secret. Yeah. Okay. Three, two, one. Well, we're back. One more week uh, since our last episode, number five. Uh, oh, number five. Can you believe it? I know. Well, full steam ahead. We're not slowing down. We're not stopping. So everyone, gear up. We're in this for the long haul at this That's point. Right. That's right. We still have sponsors. <laughs> so, so we're doing something yeah. right. And more importantly, so, more importantly, because of you listening, we still have listeners. Sponsors are a sidebar. Listeners okay. are really the important thing. Well, I well, that's right. If we don't have if we don't have listeners, we don't have sponsors. And having sponsors to me says we've got listeners. So that's 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 the indicator. I'm not doing I see this. What for you the did there? I see what you did there. Yeah, I'm not doing this for the sponsors. <laughs> no. Hopefully, that's not edited like out. you might be. <laughs> Uh, no, um, no, this, uh, we're doing this for the listeners, right? That's where the heart is in all That's of this, right? right? Um, now, enough for the, enough for the uh, sweet commentary. I'm Mickey Baines. You're listening to myself, Jamie Gleason. This is episode five of CRM Prov. We're excited to be with you again. We've got a great uh, guest, a great friend of mine, who I don't get to see often enough because you're way on the other side of the country. Um Emily Smith, who is a client success manager with TargetX, is with us. Emily, you've been with TargetX for almost seven years, maybe almost. That's true. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and and she's worked in higher ed for many years. We're not going to quantify it, just to say many. She's uh, she's knows many of the CRM platforms and vendors out there, um, and I was excited when Emily you emailed me probably eight weeks ago to say, Hey, you're doing this podcast. I would like to be on it. And I, and I was right away excited. And I want to clarify that Jamie, before I turn it to you and let you say hi to everybody as well. But um, when we came up with this idea for this podcast, we didn't want to have a bunch of CRM vendors on promoting products. And this is why I'm excited to have Emily on, even though she's working with one of those companies. Um, your Emily and her friends and her colleagues at TargetX, great friends of mine, uh, work a lot with TargetX. We, we, you know, we work with other platforms as well. But um, I think the purpose of this episode is going to be critical because what we want to talk about today is, and, and get Emily's input on this, how can schools better leverage their relationship with their CRM vendor to ensure that they are successful? Um, and I know we're going to have lots of success stories, a lot of war stories, maybe that we can reference today as we dive into this topic. Um, and when Emily emailed me, I, it was right away. I knew that this is a great example of how we can bring someone on from one of those uh, CRM vendors to talk about how to be successful. So I'll pause there. Jamie, why don't you say hi? <laughs> well, I was trying to. No, <laughs> uh, no. Hello, uh, everyone. Thanks again for for joining us. And, and I think this is going to be a great episode as well. I'm excited about, um, you know, maybe there's this weird sadistic part of me that gets excited about the war stories, but having been in higher ed for so long, right, we've all had this experience of like, 
Uh, and I was just talking with a colleague of mine this morning about like, oh, if you had it all to do over again, how would you do it differently? And I feel like those kind of things are really the essence of what we're trying to do here. You know, the, the concept of CRM prov for those who are new, potentially new listeners is how do we grow through the use of technology? And if we as professionals are not growing through the understanding of that technology, then we probably aren't growing either. So this episode is going to be about some of that. Emily's going to have lots of great insights. Uh, Emily, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's really, this is my first podcast and I'm really excited about being here to talk about my very, very favorite topic, which is CRM for higher ed, which is a, you know, weird little corner of the world that we're all in. Yeah. I mean, we won't we won't just like classify that that is your favorite topic. I mean, like maybe that's your professional favorite topic. So but that's, you know, like it's funny to put people, you know, funny who people are on their first podcast. If I can, like, maybe put them on the edge a little bit, then I'll try to do that. But why don't we start off by just saying, Emily, thanks for taking the time. Can you just for the audience who's out there who doesn't work with C, uh, with uh, Target X why don't you just kind of give us like the big overview of what it means to be a client success manager at Target X and, and kind of what your day to day looks like. Uh, and the reason sure. I asked that yeah. question is because in my company, we were hiring for a client success manager the other day, and we realized that that term is very broad. A lot of things. Broad yes. term. So I want to like maybe zero in on that one as I ask the first question. Sorry, Mickey, to jump in there. No, I, I love how you're taking with the question, you know, get something for yourself out of this too. So absolutely. That's what you yeah, get. Success is a, you get that opportunity. Right. To jump in. Jump in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Client success is a pretty new, I mean, new in the last 10 years um, way of doing things. Right. And it sort of evolved out of SaaS companies across all industries, not just ed tech. Um, but all industries realize that they're they're needed. You need good humans in this role of forming relationships with customers or clients or partners or whatever you want to call them, um, and helping them in a more proactive way be really successful, right? Because there's, you know, when you're when you're buying a CRM in any industry, you work with your salesperson, you get really comfortable with that salesperson, and then they're only incentivized to sell you the thing. And then they like wave goodbye when this contract is signed. They don't care about you long-term, sorry, salespeople. And then you've got support who, you know, like this is broken, they'll react to that and fix it. Like, okay, cool. But then there's something in between in a long relationship with a CRM vendor where you're really talking about sort of meteor topics around strategic success and meeting your goals and using this, this the technology to meet your goals, whether that's like, CRM governance or business process evaluation, um, or you know, really building enablement plans uh, for training your staff. Client success means a lot of different things at different companies. Um, for some companies, it means every, and for sort of smaller pieces of software, not like enterprise stuff like CRM, but for smaller pieces of software, client success may mean that as a client success manager, you're doing implementation, client support, relationship management, and then some aspect of sales and renewal and expanding into accounts as well. At TargetX, we have, you know, we're an enterprise, more enterprise CRM. Um, we've got fully built out implementation teams, support teams who are doing that kind of more reactive work and more sort of tactical work. And then the client success manager's job is to, um, we really say that it's, it's all about helping clients find value in their relationship with us, right? Because if a client or school is feeling 
valued as a partner, if they're feeling like their goals are valued and their voice is being heard at the company, that's the client who's going to renew. I always say like, look, anything that we sell to you should be totally incidental to your feeling successful with us. Like what's it worth me ramming down a new product down your throat if it's not gonna be something that's really needing a need for you? Um, as we all know in higher education, money doesn't grow on trees and it's really hard to fund stuff, right? Whether it's resources or extra software or extra name buys. Um, so anything that you purchase has to be really, and everything that you renew has to be really, really working for you. Um, so my job entails kind of the contract stuff, renewals, um, and expanding relationships with clients, but that is purely incidental to that overall success piece. I do a lot of strategic planning with our clients. We talk about not just goals for the CRM, but institutional goals, like top, top level president and board level goals. And then over time, we drill down into the CRM strategy. Does that help you, Jamie? Does that give you a definition? It does. And in fact, I really liked how you um, kind of delineated between kind of the bigger enterprise uh, companies and smaller ones. I used to work at <clears throat> Capture Higher Ed, where I was an account, a client success manager, if you will, uh, even though that wasn't exactly my title. But all the things that you talked about with Renewal, implementation, being the frontline support, like basically everything, you know, everything. Um, that's kind of what, what we did. So, and it's, it's, it's very life-giving, isn't it? Like to be able to be yes. on that front edge, to be able to help, you know, like be, uh, I, I always found a ton of fulfillment just in, in like uh, figuring out the very felt need. There was a big need yes. and you could always be the, like the person who'd come in and like help with ideas. And I, I that was very fulfilling. So uh, yes, it does long answer to the short question. Did that, me, did that f help me? Yes, it did. Thank you, Mickey. Take it away. Well, I was just going to say, you know, I, I like intent. I, I like being intentional with things and, and even by just saying intentional with the title customer client, success manager like the job is to help clients succeed and you know i i'm come at this lens when i when we talk crm i come at it from a lens of enrollment whether that's through retention or new enrollment i know with every one of our clients somewhere on the campus it might be the president it might be a vp of enrollment someone saying this tool is going to help us get more students and our job is to understand the role of the tool in helping you get more students, um, whether that's freeing up time for staff, whether that's engaging students in ways we haven't been able to do, um, whatever it is to clarify what that is, and then to trans, being sure that we're translating that information from that senior level into the technology. And Emily's role, as you just described it, is doing that. Uh, and I think that is a critical piece, especially at this point in time when we're, schools are starting to finally get on board to push the edge of what CRM has been in higher ed to do more than just traditional admissions work. You know, you have to be able to understand that, have these goals, and then translate them so that you can build this the system in the right way to support it. And a lot of times, because you're probably seeing this, Emily, and maybe this will be the next question is, you know, how are schools pushing that edge? But when you're pushing that edge after what you've been doing in the tool for a year or maybe 10 years, you know, it has some impact on what you initially put into the tool and having that, that thought 
uh, and planning process and leaning on someone like you, Emily, to think through how we are going to expand on the use and what does that mean for our strategy is key. And I think we're at a point where so many schools are having that conversation now. This role is critical to their long-term success. So I'll pause there and maybe let you respond. Yeah, I mean, I think we forget because we're in this, like all of us who are like lifers in this ed tech space or, you know, enrollment space or retention space, student success space, we get really close to what we're doing over time. And I think we forget that like 10, 15 years ago, higher ed was behind industry, like, you know, consumer business technology wise, like by 10 years. And in the, you know, in the intervening 10 years, not only have we caught up, but education has become like really a disruptor in how, how sort of like our consumer, like our potential students and our current students are consuming information. And I think that's like a really big change. And we've exhibited, you know, basically like 20 years of growth in that 10 year period. Um, and it's really interesting now to where, you know, 10 years ago, we were looking at schools who, you know, never had a CRM before. And we were talking about all like the staff experience. And I talked, you know, one school was really caught, you know, 10, 15 years ago, caught in that sort of in the like liminal space between being paperless. We were all talking about being paperless um, and having things, you know, having like mix of paper process, uh, technologic process and, and digital was sort of starting to come online. And I was implementing an online application for this like really lovely Catholic school in the Midwest. And we were just standing up their online application. We were talking about sort of business process around the online application. Like, well, well, Sister Mary Margaret has to take the typewriter home this weekend because there's going to be a snowstorm. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, what? Like, what's happening? She's the online application processor. She's a nun. And I'm like, okay, okay. Like she has to take, you know, you have like an online application now. This is like 2006. You have an online application now. You don't actually have to like print out the submissions and retype them. And it was a really, it was just such a wake up call of how rocky those years were of like bringing things online, bringing things to be, um, you know, web-based and digital-based. Um, and that period of like, really just thinking about the staff experience. She was retyping the applications on her typewriter um, and it was gonna snow that weekend. So she literally had to take the typewriter home to retype the application submissions so that the counselors could then read and make decisions. Like cut to now, where like if someone said like typewriter or take it home for the weekend and you thought about like a nun carrying a heavy typewriter, you would be like horrified, right? Like it would just be a really shocking experience. So we've really caught up in those years and we've shifted our focus from that staff experience, like just buy a CRM, it'll help your staff do their job better to the student experience. Like, yeah, 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 a CRM, sort of implicit in a CRM should be this, the ability for your staff to do their job really well and should free up their time to have more human interactions with students and families. Like, yeah, duh. Now we're trying to talk much more about the student experience to say, look, let's challenge our students in the classroom. Let's challenge the students in their athletic pursuits and their club pursuits. But like, how easy can we make it to pay a bill or sign up for something or enroll in something, right? That experience should be easy. And let's save the challenge for other areas of our student experience. So I think that shift has been really, really interesting. And sort of the, as the technology catches up, it's been really interesting to see what different enrollment and student success operations are doing. Hey, I know you're deeply engaged with this conversation, but we're going to pause just for a moment for an important word 
from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Verity. Verity just launched their brand new student information system called Verity Student. Verity Student is everything you wish you had in your student information system and then some. Verity Student combines top-notch, unparalleled compliance and efficiency-boosting processes with the best communication features built into one single platform. Verity Student streamlines academic tracking, document management with an electronic signature, and a built-in powerful contact center with multi-channel communication. The unfortunate complications that human errors prevent are virtually eliminated with their improved process workflow automation that paves the way for data and reporting that you can actually count on. It's the most efficient recruiting, enrollment, and retention process that you have ever seen. Get more than you have with less strain on your budget with Verity Student. Experience the cost efficiencies that their all-inclusive tool provides compared to other, more expensive tools with less functionality. The unified pricing includes a multi-channel communication hub at a fraction of the amount that you'd pay for multiple systems. Say goodbye to inefficiency. Say goodbye to disjointed communications. Say goodbye to Excel when you say hello to Verity Student. At Verity, they only know one direction and one speed. Always forward and always fast. Harness the power of one with Verity Student. Request a behind-the-scenes look at their new student information system, Verity Student, at meetverity.com. Again, that's meetverity.com. Well, as we record, it's always helpful to do it with video. That way, we, and I think it helps the exchange uh, rather than just doing audio. I wish that we could, I wish podcasts were video-based. What would that be? Would that wouldn't be a podcast, would it? That'd be a vodcast. A video. Vodcast. Is that a thing? Yeah. I should know that answer. <laughs> but you mean vodka no well i mean those two might go together at times yeah, i'm okay. sure but a vodcast so you said that is a thing i should know that answer. i think it is a thing yeah vodcast okay well we had now we have to create a youtube channel so we can post these on youtube as another totally. channel um if you're a listener and you think that'd be a good idea and you want to see this interaction that goes on behind the screen we if you want to break the fourth wall i guess in radio there's really no walls but um then you can uh let us know yes it could be our that could be the next thing all right so all right let's let's do a in. series like cross-country road trip in the campers would love to while podcasting about enrollment wow yes success wow i actually had this idea so i have a 15 year old son and i was thinking the other day about what it would be like so emily you don't know this about me mickey you might not know it either I've ridden my bicycle across the country. So when you said at the beginning of this conversation, have you ever camped in a desert? My answer is yes, um, a, a number of times actually. And uh, one of the things I thought about the other day, as I think about my 15 year old son looking at college was to do a summer long campus tour, but do it on a bicycle. So you're biking and then creating content from that experience in order to drive an audience. I think that would be like, super fun, super marketing of me. Uh, maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'll create a new, maybe it'll be a podcast. I will a hundred percent come with you and like ride my bike. So I'm just, I'm also a cyclist um, or I could drive your sag wagon. There we go. That and, I like, would need to shout wagon. at you from behind. Yeah. yeah. Be like a spin instructor from the sag wagon, like mm-hmm. push. <laughs> I have a megaphone. I just, as long as I have a megaphone, I will be there. That's good. We've gotten slightly off topic, Mickey. Can you help? It's okay. It's okay. Well, A, I didn't know that about you. B, I love the idea. Good. Truly love the idea. If 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 the company would give you that freedom to do that, uh, 
Well, you I mean, I could the value that you could. That's, I think it's. I think I could actually do it while I work. I could work. You know, I could just work in weird hours. So it, I, as long as I got the stuff done that I needed to do, I think I could probably pull it off. More power to you. Uh, I'll stick with doing it from the RV. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> with I'm my early morning recordings, uh, sitting under my awning with my cup of coffee, uh, <laughs> looking at the mountains or the water or wherever it is we are. Wherever, yeah. Uh, the, the, Jimmy the, and I are, have already gone lot. anaerobic long I ago. Know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you know, then we can at least record some of these podcast episodes uh, while you're cycling and I'm sure. Traveling. Oh, yeah. There you go. Uh, and, and from the megaphone, Emily could chime in on each one of them. <laughs> so Wait, what don't I really think listener, about don't. enrollment. <laughs> Listener, don't leave yet. <laughs> oh, okay. I guess we can get back to topic a little bit. So I liked what you were saying, Emily, um, when you're in, if we circle back the five minutes ago uh, from my digression there, um, you're, as you're talking about transitioning from, you know, this, the concept of CRM helping with efficiency with staff and all those types of things. And I, and I am seeing a little bit of a resurgence to that conversation uh, some now um, to think about how do we take this a step further, but, um, but getting to the world of digital, um, you know, how, how has your role, do you think kind of changed as you're, you know, what are the conversations like now as you go into these conversations of getting more digital? We, I've had probably more conversations about this digital path uh, in the past, probably since the pandemic. Let's just say, the, uh, I, I think a lot of the impetus was started with the pandemic, and I think it's continued for other reasons, um, but I would say significant more interest from schools now where that might be 40% of my conversation is a, something around improving the effectiveness, the digital, something to do with communication and engagement. So how are those conversations uh, changed? Well, I think, you know, I'm in this, I'm sitting in this interesting position because as like the CRM vendor you know, I'm not the person who's advising on like content or timing or design or strategy the way I used to when I used to have um, work for another company uh, doing student search projects. And at that time, you know, like we enjoyed so many years on the student search side of things um, where the calendar was known, the content was known, the timing of the messages were known. We had you know, like 11 emails, three postcards, one tear off. Like, can you imagine if a high school kid got a freaking tear off right now? They'd be like, oh, okay. Like this is, I'm breaking this wafer seal. This is a postcard. You want me to put my pen on this damn thing? And like, I mail it to you. And then you send me a t-shirt, like go screw. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in that. So I feel like we've now on sort of the content and marketing side, we've really, been able to do new and different things and new and different vendors are coming online um, who are trying to do that differently, right? Like, you know, in within our liaison family, we have um, EMP, which does that, Capture does that. Carnegie Dartlet has gotten smarter and smarter in their long time in this space, right? So we're, we're able to do more and more. I think what will be really interesting to watch is as going test optional becomes more of a known thing over time, we're gonna to have to adjust on our side to figure out how to get to these students, right? Like how to even find them, how to, to notify them. And I know the college board is doing a lot of really careful and critical thinking about how to maintain that over time. Um, as the CRM vendor, we get to be this trusted partner who's like sort of knowledgeable in the space 
but not a competitor in the space, right? So it's really cool for us to hear about institutional goals and enrollment goals, and then see sort of who, who the other vendor is in the space. Like if we're the CRM, sort of the underlying technology, who they're gonna bring in for content or if they're gonna try to bootstrap it on their own. We can advise on what it's like to run those campaigns on your own versus what it's like to get help. Um, and it's really interesting because I think there's just way more, um, there's just way more room for flexibility and doing new and different things rather than like the rote student search thing. Um, and I'm just seeing more and more different materials coming from colleges in really cool ways. And I think CRMs over time will have to sort of bump up the technology to be more sort of marketing automation focused so that schools can, can do that themselves as they get savvier and savvier. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. I feel like <clears throat> as we think about CRM, uh, and this is a, is a funny kind of like evolutionary thought pattern, um, is that I think for so many of us who have been in higher ed for a long time, the CRM has historically been just like this deployment tool, right? And I think as we start to see these other technologies come to bear and we start to see other, you know, tools become more prolific in the space, CRM actually becomes an integration platform, a, like a way to mm -hmm. string it all together um, and almost like the conductor of an orchestra, like it strings it all together and it deploys where it deploys. And it's like, I feel like it's beautiful music, right? And I think that's the as I, that's the best visualization I can think of, um, you know, putting all those things together. So that I think leads me, uh, to another question about like, how much do you think people are actually leaning on their CRM to do that? Like how many, you know, like if you had to give a percentage of the people that you work with that maximize their CRM, if you want to put it that way, as opposed to those that really just use Mickey and I've had this conversation, like the top, you know, 20 or 30% of their CRM or 50% or something like that. Like how many of them are really leveraging that? And uh, I don't think there should, there probably is never going to be a point where everyone has leveraged everything because in that case, the CRM is probably not doing its job at like keeping up with what's next. So it's always like this, Agree. you know, need more cowbell kind of situation. Um, sorry, I couldn't always. resist. Um, <laughs> but um, always the answer. Yeah, I know people, some people are like, what, what's that? Need more cowbell. If you don't know what that means, you should Google that and just need more cowbell. It'll make your day. Uh, but like, what, what's the, like, how much are you, how much do you think people are actually maximizing the technology that you're putting out there in front of them in terms of your clients or prospective clients? I, I love the idea of the CRM being like beautiful music. And I'm going to for sure bring that up for a client who's like really struggling and who's just like in the soup of where it just sounds like a lot of like trash cans and like tin cans and cats meowing. I'm gonna just remind them that their CRM truly is like a piece of beautiful music and it should feel organized in that way. Um, you probably get hung up on. Um, but I really like that idea. I like that. And I also really agree that the CRM, like your tech vendor, any vendor should be slightly ahead of where you are business process wise. Um, to answer your question about sort of what percentage of clients or what percentage of schools do I observe using CRM really strategically? Um, I, I can't even hazard a guess because it is such an individualized thing. We have some schools who, you know, TargetX is their third CRM. They are really willing to 
critically evaluate business process and have strong CRM governance, have a really tight enrollment operation, and who are really willing to do new things and change and stretch and try things. Um, we have some schools who this is their very first CRM and they are like our conversations are, you know, this teeny tiny narrow slice into how do we do this day to day? Like, how do we send emails day to day? How do we get this, you know, sort of operationalized what we had been doing by hand previously? And it's just such a range. Um, and within, you know, a few minutes of talking to a school about sort of what their staff's day-to-day -day is like, we can sort of locate them on that spectrum to figure out sort of the, that savviness and tolerance for that growth, um, that growth and stretching. But I think that's one thing that's really all over the board right now, um, as far as what we observe in the CRM space. The, the, the thing that makes me rest easy at night is that we're always pushing forward, right? Like any vendor and the vendor that you select for a CRM uh, provider should, you should feel that great partnership and you should feel um, led and motivated and um, like you have a good candid partnership um, with your vendor who can help push you whether you're you know, struggling in that first sliver or if you're really trying to do some advanced stuff or operationalize advanced stuff. Um, they should, that vendor should like meet you where you are and give you a path forward, right? There should always be somewhere to go, I guess is my point. Yes, I totally agree. And that's, I, and, and to be honest, like that's why I love positions like the one that you hold. I think that if you, I'll just say this to the listeners, if you're working right now with a CRM that doesn't give you someone who's focused on your success, then you probably should think about a new CRM. Should I, is that fair? Can I say that out loud, Mickey? I don't, I feel like that's kind of, but I just think that that's the way it should be. Preach on, my, preach my, on. My like, yeah, my like tender heart wants to scream like, yes, yes, absolutely. Like there should be someone who is your champion in the ring on your vendor side, but I'm like my vendor side, my vendor hat, like I'm not, you know, I'm not here to sell Target X. Like yeah, yeah, I yeah, am, sure. I'm, I'm holding it back because I so fervently agree, yes. but. Yes. No. I, and I said that that was a completely unsolicited comment for those who are out there. Emily is not paying me to do that. That's I think that's just my belief in the core of customer service when it comes to higher ed. And in, in many ways, the uh, the value that I feel like an, a, like a, a talented account professional can bring like this added value of like, hey, how do I understand this better? How do I apply these business process to, you know, to your particular context? Like there's so many of these things that someone who's in the software every day who understands the, you know, the nooks and crannies of what can be done can help, you know, uh, an institution take it from, you know, maybe not zero to, maybe it's not zero to 60, but maybe it's zero to 45 in, in a, in a right. shorter amount of time rather than taking you know, 24 months, it takes 12 months, you know, so things like that. So, and I'll be quiet now. I know. I think like does. the sparkliest thing that happens between a vendor and a school is where the school is coming to, to the vendor saying like, look, we know our own sauce really, really well. We know ins and outs. Like, I think it's so cool to encounter a staff that's really long tenured, right? They know the ins and outs of their institution. If that long tenured staff who knows the ins and outs of their institution has a great growth mindset and flexible thinking around 
changing things operationally, evaluating business process to really figure out if they work. That plus a vendor who is like peeping through the windows at hundreds of enrollment operations or hundreds of student success operations through the course of their career to say like, hey, you know your thing really well, but let me bring you this experience that I've observed in other successful operations or shops. That's where it's like, pew, pew, like fireworks and like really cool stuff starts happening, right? When you have the balance of that really cool experience. You know, I would just add, I think what, what we're talking about here, there's a fine line uh, because I think a lot about staff turnover and the impact it has. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it's not necessarily the staff turning over. I think it's the shift in priorities turning over and having yes. that consistent. You, we, we, you have to be flexible and you have to be able to adapt. But that doesn't mean saying, hey, we're going to change our top three priorities. You know, some of the things we're doing to achieve those priorities um, needs to be flexible and adaptable. But maintaining some level of consistency there is key to building out long-term success so that you're not starting an initiative, stopping halfway into it to move to something else. Because what you are doing will never be fully successful. People will complain totally. about it. You won't get your full outcome out of it. And now you're trying to do something else. Uh, and then you're willy-nilly uh, moving to something else. And it's just... Yeah, uh, then you just have whiplash. Um, yes. Um, so I think that, and I, that to me, I see is, is we look at with clients and, and peep, you know, peer into those windows of the enrollment operation, you know, where I see success is having that clearly defined um, set of priorities. This is what we're doing. This is how we're going to do it. And this is what we'll be doing differently in the coming one, two, three years. Um, and, totally. and working toward that. That's why we talk about institutional goals so much, right? Like I ask these questions of our clients to say like institutionally, what, what are you trying to do? And often I get answers like, well, with the CRM we're trying to do. And I'm like, wait, nope. Institutionally, what is your president talking about? What is your board talking about? What are we trying to do institutionally? Like we'll get there. We'll get to that drilled down, like how we're getting the CRM to support those goals. But right now I just need to be oriented with like what you're trying to do institutionally. So that when, you know, the tasks get really big or loud or confusing or hard, it's really easy to say like, hold on, you told me you were trying to do this as an institution. So let's, let's do the things that support that. And that's a really organizing concept. Mm -hmm. Or even taking on an idea or notion. Um, maybe one of those priorities, college readiness. We want students to be more prepared or, you know, okay, the CRM, that is a, that is something with which the CRM could help support. Can support a hundred percent. And we need to, now we need to know more about, more about that. And then we can rank, you know, as we think of those, bring in those types of ideas and bring that to the table, you can then still develop priorities. Maybe that doesn't make it into the cut of the first round priorities. And, I, but I think it comes back to the whole impetus of this uh, podcast is that, you know, an implementation should never end. Um, you know, once we're live and we're using this tool, what are we doing next to expand and help use it to support other priorities? Um, and that's where those things come into play. And it's just a matter of identifying and, and prioritizing them in, in the order that is right for you. Yeah, I, that's so right. And Mickey, I think you've heard me uh, sort of deliver this story is my like the light switch story about technical complete versus functional complete, where like if you you know, to reach technical complete on a CRM implementation, it's like a carpenter comes into your home or I guess it's an electrician, right? Who builds you a light switch. An electrician comes in and you're like, I need a light switch in this room. And they're like, cool, cool. They build you the light switch, but they put the light switch like in the middle of your ceiling. It's like painted the wrong color. You can't reach it. You don't know how to use it. And they're like, yeah, I built you a light switch. It's done, check done. Like, 
uh, okay, that's like a technical complete. And that's a milestone, right? That in your CRM implementation, getting to that place. But a true like functional readiness is where you know where the light switch is, it's painted the right color, it works the way you expect it to, your whole family knows how to use it, it works every time, right? And then you can sort of relax into like, I know how to use the light switch, you know how to find the light switch, my kids can use the light switch, and I can now be freed up to think about like strategically how we want to use it over time. Um, and that sort of like on that continuum of getting the technology to support um, to support those goals feels really important to me. That's a great analogy. Just going to say that. Mm, thanks. We So you can steal Definitely. the musician one. I'm going to take the light switch. We're good to go. It's oh, a oh good trade. Good trade. I, all right. So, so that I, Jimmy, I was going to send you a note about the, the title of the episode, uh, including the word orchestra. But now I'm thinking the title of the episode is electricians and orchestras. I like it. There could be uh, there could be something there. Let me let me noodle on that for a little while, and I'll come up with some some really great language around those. Well, I think with that, Google is telling me um, we have to start wrapping this up. Um, speaking of technology, um, it's telling us we have to wrap this up. Emily's got other things to do today uh, besides sit and just talk with us. Uh, as much as we'd like to keep going. Uh, yeah, right. I, I feel like we got about like four percent. I want to cut the bike stuff and go back to the CRM stuff. <laughs> well, uh, we're four percent in. Okay, so we've got a long way to go. Um, yeah, so we'll get to our next guest for season six uh, of, of the episode of CRM Prom. The rest of seasons one through five will be all Emily working deeper as we talk about client success. Uh, well, Emily, thank you so much for taking the time to begin to peel back, I guess, one of the many layers that really gets into all of the work and effort it takes to help clients be truly successful. Uh, for those listening, remember to reach out to folks like Emily to ensure that they're providing that right guidance um, and support. Yeah. Jamie, it's been another Emily, Yeah, I would, uh, I would concur with the thank yous and uh, great to meet you. Uh, I'm looking forward to our next episode when we can talk more about digging into the CRM and maximizing its effort. Um, so also to listeners, thanks for uh, taking the time to be with us. This is, uh, I know, we know that your time is valuable and we hope that what you've heard today can help you run uh, maybe your CRM a little better or even more than that, maybe lean on the provider to get some, some of that outside expertise that they bring to the table. And in fact, that you're paying for. So, and yeah, hopefully that that's will lead exactly it. Yes. Hopefully that right, will like, lead to your I mean, growth. And uh, Emily, lead us out with the closing word. Well, yeah, I mean, you're, you're hitting on it right. Like you're paying for this, you're paying for the service and it should feel really valuable. When your vendor calls you, you shouldn't have that feeling that you want to like ignore the call and roll your eyes. You should feel like a good partner is calling you. And that's what I hope for everybody out there who's listening. Um, guys, I really enjoyed this. This was a joy and a delight to talk to you today and listeners keep enrolling students keep them successful we'll talk to you soon Bye.